Now, the question of my title today is this. What are you carrying? What are you carrying? What is there on you? What is there in you that is going to make a difference for the glory of God in the world? We think of examples in the book of Acts, things like Peter's shadow being, uh, in a sense, symbolic of the glory of God. People brought out their sick to lay them in the shadow of Peter with the hope that they might be healed. That was something that Peter was carrying. He was carrying a revelation of the kingdom of God. And I, I, I really want to lead us all to the place where we start to seriously ask ourselves the question, do we really want to carry God's glory? Each of you, not the ministers or the leadership teams or the leaders of cells, but every single member of church, do you really want to carry the glory of God? Uh, in the Pentecost weekend that just happened a few weeks ago, uh, Paul Cain's prayer right at the end of Sunday was centered on a move of God that would be characterized by every single member standing up to preach the gospel in a different context, seeing signs and wonders following the preaching of the word of God, literally the whole of London saturated with the glory of God. Do we want to be part of that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your promise to us and I thank you for your challenge to us. Lord, we don't want to just sit and spectate with such weighty words before us, such as a coming revival, such as the release of the power of God. Father, today we don't want to just be inspired to reprioritize our lives, but we want to see a genuine hunger awaken in our hearts that leads to experience, an experience of participating in your great end time move. Lord, work in our hearts so that we can participate to the full in Jesus' name. Amen. Now for our, our text today, I wanted to pick up on a thread that runs throughout Luke. It's, it's the idea of Jesus sending out his disciples into the mission context. Uh, Luke 9 verse 1 through 6 is where I'll start, uh, but I'll come back to a few other passages in Luke in just a few moments. <clears throat> and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The opening and close of that short passage show what they were carrying. Jesus gave them authority over all demons, authority to cure diseases, authority to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And it says that they experienced the fruit of that authority. But in the center section, there's something substantial that we need to consider in this big context of what we're carrying. They were carrying glory, but they were not carrying something else. Jesus said to each one of his disciples, the 12 that he was sending out, take nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, take nothing. I don't know that you uh, said that with all the passion that 
I would love to see, but we're going we're gonna to see some of that build. It, in these days, it's easy to take nothing or very little. You know, you can take a, a credit card or a card that's very slim and seems to slip into your pocket. That will cover all your expenses. Uh, you only need one card for your travel these days and so on. So literally, you could pretend that you're taking nothing. Though, Ladies, I've seen some of your handbags. You're not taking nothing there. There's uh, last week's lunch still there, some, some of you. <clears throat> Now, the thing is that if Jesus said, take nothing, I can only assume that he meant take nothing. Um, And perhaps there's a lesson for us to learn here. Because everyone is carrying a lot these days, especially here in London. It's so easy to get carried away, including carrying around the kitchen sink. And often we rationalize the idea, I have capacity Now, having the capacity to carry doesn't always mean that it's wise to actually carry everything. You can have so much in what you're carrying that you miss out on carrying what you're supposed to carry. What might you have to put down in order to carry the glory of God? What might you have to lay aside permanently in order to walk in God's plan and purpose for your life? You might say to me, Gabriel, I've been in church for time. I know about these things. I know about how to walk with God. But I really want to challenge you. What has got you here isn't what's going to get you there. Doing the same old thing over and over again isn't going to release us into the plan and purpose of God for our lives. So if he said, take nothing, in this season, can I ask you this question? Are you carrying anything that you shouldn't be? Come back to uh, these Uh, four or five images that he gives. We could allegorize these images of the staff and the bag and the bread and the money, whichever way we want, really. But uh, let me just bring a few ideas to you. He says, don't bring a staff. Don't bring a staff. This is something that we lean on, something that we put our trust in, something that we Uh, use as a reason to get up in the morning, something that we use as a reason to walk about, something that we use as a reason to get somewhere at a particular time, to be visible, to be present, to be participating. Now, I know that this surely wouldn't happen in such a holy place, but maybe for some of you, that staff in your life is that special guy or girl that you come to church looking for. So often we see this, that people, they walk into church, They look around, oh, look at that person, wow. And they go sit over here, can I see? Yeah, great. And then they come to church next week and they say, can I see that person? Yeah, great. And suddenly, the reason for coming to church is this staff, this person that you come to see. Equally, I've had people that have come to KT and then I've heard later they didn't stay in KT And you say to them, oh, well, what happened? Was there something uh, that was changed in your life or something that was uh, going on personally? You know, what what happened that you didn't want to come to church anymore? Oh, I didn't see anyone that I fancied. Maybe uh, there's a staff that we need to set aside when it comes to the things of God. not saying that you shouldn't be looking because some of you need to do a lot more looking to find than you are doing. Uh, You've got to step out. Don't let God, don't wait for God to bring everyone in front of you directly and say, hey, this person is your husband, your wife. Doesn't happen like that. Got to look. But maybe you need to set aside the staff so you can focus in this season on getting God in the right place in your life. Don't take your bag. 
Now, the, the beautiful thing about Sundays is everybody just comes dressed up so good. You're looking real good, Sunday best. Also taking account of the summer, some of you have dressed in order to feel refreshed even though in such a warm facility. Uh, everybody looks good, but everybody's got bags. And when I say bag, I mean you bringing your junk with you. The, uh, the things that you're wrestling with in the course of the week, the skeletons that you're carrying around just so you make sure no one else finds them if you don't happen to be there when they go looking. Maybe there's unforgiveness that's in your heart and things that are weighing you down. Maybe there are burdens. Maybe there are responsibilities. He says, don't take your bag. In this church, we don't let people leave their bags at the side because of security risks, okay? We live in a day and age in a city where you can't just say everybody's going to be a good Christian uh, and not plan anything dodgy, right? So we make you keep your bags with you, but in the context of living out the purposes of God for your life, you can't afford to take your bags with you. Third, <clears throat> says don't take any bread. Now, thank God that we've got more options today than just bread and water for food. You've got Pret, you've got uh, Eat, and you've got VQ and Starbucks and Itsu and all the stuff you've got here locally, not advertising any single one of them at all. <clears throat> but this is not about just not taking bread because you're going to have options to buy when you're out there. It's not taking the things that satisfy you in the place of Christ. The things that might fill up your stomach so that you don't go searching after the glory of God. Maybe you might be satisfied with where you are right now in your career. Maybe you might be satisfied with the relationship that you have right now. Maybe you might be satisfied that you're doing enough for God simply because you give on a regular basis. Don't take the bread. Don't take the stuff that is an excuse for you seeking after that which nourishes you in Christ. Fourth, don't take money. Now, of course, we think, well, of course I need money. I need money to just get around today, you know. I can't jump on a bus and pretend that I've touched in when I know I haven't. But when he's saying don't take money, don't take that which you have generated yourself. Don't take your self-reliant, I look after business, myself attitude with you into the mission field. The only way that we can genuinely enter into a deeper experience of releasing the kingdom of God is to leave aside our stuff, to leave aside our bag, to leave aside our bread, to leave aside our money, in order to focus on what the Lord is giving us for to do in this season. And it is seasonal. Jesus showed us, for example, that he would go 40 days in the desert to see uh, what God would do in and through his life in that time. So for us to take nothing, it means we got to put it down. Now, just to broaden it out a little bit, because there's the 12, obviously, that we're talking to here, but this narrative thread carries on just, just a little bit later in Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him. This means that it's not just about an exclusive group of people, but Jesus is about the business of raising up disciples and releasing them and raising up more disciples and releasing them and raising up more disciples and releasing them. And so you, sooner or later, are going to come to the point where if you really genuinely want to live in a concordant reality, what you believe is what you live, 
you are going to have to step out into the discipleship call upon your life. And as he sends out the 72, he says this, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. So he's giving a similar kind of list of things, but he's also adding a few. Greet, greet no one on the road. Don't talk to anybody on the road. Well, we don't need a temptation to not do that these days. Nobody wants to talk to anyone on the road. We're too busy looking down at our phones, finding out what's going on in the world around us, too busy Facebooking and Snapchatting and Instagramming, and if you still do text, you're still texting, um, and focusing in on things that are just superficial interactions. Now, a lesson from Simon Cowell, of all people. Did you know that it made the news that Simon Cowell didn't have a mobile phone for 10 months? Woohoo! But it's an important lesson. What would life look like for us if we set aside having a mobile phone for 10 months? Probably some of you can't even set aside your mobile phone for 10 minutes while I'm preaching. In which case, I'm going to need your phone. He says, don't talk to anyone on the road. Don't get distracted. Don't get waylaid by things that are not important. We so easily get waylaid by things that are not important. Who cares about the 10-second feed that you're going to see in comparison to the life that you are supposed to live. They don't meet in comparison. Rather, they take away from the genuine deep life interactions that God is calling us to have, interactions that would release experiences of hope into people's life. He also adds in this uh, second retelling of the story now with the 72, don't fill up your time worrying about your comfort. Going from house to house, I didn't like the bed in this one, so I'm going to go look for a bigger bedroom in this place, and then I'm going to look for uh, someone who treats me nicer in that place. Think about this in the church context. Don't, oh, the church's seats were nice, they're blue, they're soft, but you know, the, the word was a bit too, you know, close because I didn't want to give up my mobile phone. My preacher was asking for my mobile phone. I'm going to go somewhere else. Don't live life where you're going from experience to experience, searching after comfort after comfort. This is what happens when we think about faith in the same context. If God doesn't come through for me, I'm going to hop out of this faith into another faith. And if God doesn't answer that prayer, I'm going to go seek an answer somewhere else. Don't go from house to house. Rather, embrace the place where God has given you. And in that place where God has located you, you can start to see the multiplication of the kingdom of God in and through your life. Got to put some stuff down. Say it to your neighbor. Take nothing. Where's the passion? Take nothing. (laughs) Now, you know what? I know that in a place like this, sometimes people will be like, oh, well, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. I mean, when he was talking... Uh, sometimes I have people come up to me after I preach a whole sermon and they're like, I really love what you had to say about quitting social media. That's all you took out the message? Quit social media? Not think about the glory of God, not think about uh, what your life can look like living in the purposes of God? Yeah, it's real deep about social media. Because we need the repentance on this area to start to sink deeper into our thoughts. We've got so consumed by the society and world that is around us that we've lost sight of what it means to live in the glory of God. If I were to push this and start to ask things like, do you know what God's presence feels like? Do you know what it is to pray for more than two minutes a week? 
Do you know what it is to actually read your Bible? If we were to start to push it down that line, we might end up in condemnation, okay? But those are some of the challenges that we have because we have neglected the deeper things in favor of the shallow things. And so there is a deep repentance to be worked out in us. Now, uh, I also thought while I was preparing today that I'd give you some relationship advice while we're at it, if that's okay. So we'd have some challenge to be missionaries for the glory of God, but also some good, solid teaching on relationships. Uh, give, this, give this to you for free. Amen? You're all too hot. Okay. Think of, if your partner's with you right now, don't think of something annoying that they do because you'll see it all over their face. But think of something that in a relationship context, somebody does that can be annoying. Maybe your partner is somebody that's always on their mobile phone and you're trying to have a nice romantic dinner and they're on their mobile phone or maybe they get distracted when you're talking to them and after a little bit of a while, they come back and they're like, oh, what was that you were saying again? You know those kind of stories, okay? Or maybe it's career. Maybe you've got a problem because your partner is so focused on career or maybe your partner hasn't learned how to walk with sanctification of mind and heart and they keep looking at other people, not at you. There might be a, an issue there somewhere for some of you, but this is a, a, a narrative progression that we see as we deepen in relationships. Now, we do a lot of work with counseling couples as they're moving forward from being boyfriend, girlfriend, to getting engaged, to getting married, and so on. Um, and there's a particular change that happens when people go from boyfriend, girlfriend, to being engaged. And at that point in time, I always sit down and say to them, when you go from being boyfriend, girlfriend, to being engaged, you got to learn to give each other more grace. I'll, I'll uh, illustrate it, hopefully, with some acting skills. Two parts, okay? So, this couple, you know, they love hanging out with each other, they're spending time with each other, you know, they're hoping that each other is the one. And one of them has noticed that the other person has got this bad habit. Which one should we pick? The not listening one or the career one? or The not listening one. Okay, we'll pick the not listening one. Um, and, you know, they really love spending time together, but the one decides, you know what, I need to confront the other about the fact that they're not listening. It's going to be a difficult conversation. It's going to be real tough. Sweetheart, can I just talk to you today? Yeah, what is it? What's up? I want to talk to you about this thing that you do in, in relationships. I'm going to get my workout just jumping back and forth. I want to talk to you about this thing that you do in relationship where you just, you know, every now and then you just gap out and you... And then finally you come back and you make me repeat everything I have to say. You know, but this is a, this is a bit of a big deal for me. I don't appreciate the fact that you're no longer paying attention to me. It feels like I'm not important to you. Sweetheart, I'm so sorry. You know, I've just got so much on my mind right now but you know that you are the most important person in all of my life. I don't want to hurt you. I really want to cherish you and value you. You're the most important person to me. I'm so glad that we could have this conversation. I feel so deeply understood. All right? Now that, was that difficult? No, that wasn't difficult. Why? Because in a boyfriend-girlfriend context, both parties are trying to show each other the best side. They're trying to show each other how good they are. And they are in this in love phase where I would do anything to be with you, including paying attention 
But then immediately, on the other side of that engagement line, sweet, so what do you want to do today? Do you want to do anything? you want to hang out? What I really need to do is have a serious conversation with you. Because that thing that you do, what thing that I do? That thing that you do, where you don't pay attention, you know, that thing, that thing, that, that bit where I don't pay attention, do you know how much I've got on my mind right now? And do you know that everything that I'm doing right now is, is for you? Yeah, yeah, but don't you understand that this is really important? I don't feel like we're connecting. Well, you know, uh, this is me. Why are you trying to change me? <laughs> and then it starts to escalate. And then we start to see some manifestations. You know, <laughs> before me and Rebecca got engaged, we had three disagreements about timeliness. And I, when I say disagreements, that's because the level they were, disagreements. Within one week of getting engaged, we'd had five full-blown arguments. And I'm so grateful that Colin sat me down and said, Gabriel, more grace. Because I would probably have walked away after those five arguments. So it goes from being theoretically difficult conversation to practically difficult conversation because the issues suddenly got real. You're suddenly going to have to spend all of your life with this person and you really want to deal with their junk before you actually get married. Husband and wife. She's thinking that thing again. How do you know? Because look. You know when someone gives you a look and you just know exactly what they're thinking? Happens with husbands and wives. She just looks. And you're like, I'm doing that thing again, aren't I? You're just going to have to get over it. This is me. This is me. Really? And there I am sitting there in that moment, or there you might be sitting there in that moment, and a moment of clarity comes. Either... I kick off another argument, and it hurts. Or I ignore the problem, and we come back to the same issue in a couple of months' time. Or I change. Why are you trying to change me? Through to, for the sake of the relationship, I recognize I need a change. Because in any relationship, people are going to have to change. This is one of the big challenges in the world today. People say, oh, if you love each other, you shouldn't try to change each other. Sure, you shouldn't try to change each other, but you should want to change for the benefit of the relationship from your perspective. None of us are perfect. All of us got our junk, our bags, that we're supposed to leave as we go on the mission with God. And until you get to the place in your relationship with God where it's as serious as that husband and wife bit, you're not really going to repent. Oh, God, you don't like that bit about me? Oh, it's okay, but you love me, right? So we're just going to carry on going, and I'm just going to keep bringing this bit with me. Oh, God, you, you're calling me to be a disciple now. Well, you know, uh, if you want me to follow you, you're just going to have to accept me for who I am. Oh, what, God, you won't use me unless I leave my junk? If we don't get to that place where we say, you know what, I'm really willing to lay aside the junk so that I can be in the plan and purpose of God for my life. We're not going to be in the place of repentance that's needed. And God calls us and challenges us to 
seasons where we learn to put things down. Learn to lay aside all of these different things that we've looked at. Because in the laying down of these things, we'll find that we actually got something still in our hands. We're actually carrying something that is not defined by all of these external peripheral issues or our own self-sense importance. We are carrying a lesson that we've learned with God. And I want to encourage you to start with God. Even when it comes to thinking about how you view the world, you need to start with God. So often we look at God through the lens of all of these other things. God, if you bless me in my career, if you bless me in my relationship, if you bless me financially, if you bless me practically, then I'll serve you. And we look at God through the lens of all of these things, lay those things aside and start with God. And with him, you'll find that there is something substantial about your life that is going to make a difference. Maybe it's carrying the presence of God. Maybe it's walking with a revelation of God. Maybe it's carrying authority that he's placed in your life. Maybe it's knowing what it is to walk in purity. But there is something that God is going to put in your life that when you lay aside all those other things, you find this core to who he's calling you to be. These disciples, they were walking out the kingdom. What God left in their hands as they laid aside everything else was power and authority to heal the sick and to bring freedom. What revelation are you carrying? What revelation are you carrying? There's a difference between carrying something and spectating or being on holiday. Now, in, in our, our church setup is this, that you come and you listen to a preacher, okay? I get that. This is what we do on Sundays. But what we do on Sundays is supposed to inspire how we live Monday to Saturday. We're supposed to learn how to carry something Monday to Saturday that would glorify God. If we just come for Sundays, we're just being spectators. Don't mean to insult you, it's just the reality. I've sat in your seats. If we want to be where, who God is calling us to be, we've got to import it into what we do Monday to Saturday. And just to illustrate this issue of uh, the difference between carrying and, and support, uh, spectating or being on holidays is, is best found when we think about mums. Mums know what it's like to, to carry, don't you? The, the nine months where you have to carry another life before bringing that life into the world and then the rest of the 50 years or whatever that you have to live carrying that. There you go. Carrying. Now, Becca can't leave aside the carrying of these children. It's, it's in her DNA. And in my household, we believe in equal opportunities. And so uh, the other photo is how I go about doing my fair share of carrying in the household. Can you see it? The two boys, Isaiah and Luke. But we're all called to start carrying something. I can give my boy to somebody to look after for 10 minutes, an hour, but they can gladly give them back. Whenever I let my dad take away my boy to look after him for the day, he, he looks after him, he has all the fun in the world, but then he comes back and says, there you go. And I've got to sit up all night, make sure they're well fed, make sure if they're crying and unhappy at night that they get back to sleep and all of that good stuff, because that's what carrying is about. What are you 
carrying. There is progression in the kingdom of God. There is progression from being somebody who comes to receive of the word of God, perhaps in milk form at the start, to being somebody that chews on the meat of the word for yourself. There's a difference from learning to be nourished in the things of God and the spirit of God than learning how to share that nourishment with others. There's a difference between spectating and starting to take ownership. There's a difference between observing somebody else do it and doing it yourself. Uh, amazing thing just happened. This, this caught the essence of this message for me. One of the guys came up and said, I noticed nobody took the podium off, so I did it. Just let me know when you want me to put it, put it back up. That was somebody taking a view of, how can I carry? How can I facilitate? How can I participate? Maybe someone else has missed something. How can I engage? Because what happens if we're not in the place of carrying is we can judge lightly. Judge lightly. Have you ever looked at a, a, a mom or uh, someone that's laboring in the kingdom of God and you say, ah, I would do this better. I would do it better if I was in that position. Would you? Would you do it better if you hadn't learned how to carry, hadn't learned how to take the responsibility, hadn't learned how to lift? Or you might say, oh, look at all of that responsibility, too much. Kids, not ready for kids. Leave that to you. But do you realize the glory that you're missing out on in terms of getting to nurture and invest in somebody else's life? We're called to be a people that carry something. What are we carrying as a church? Are we carrying the revelation of grace? Are we carrying a passion and love for the gospel of Jesus Christ? When we hang out with people, do they experience heaven through us? Do they catch something of how much God loves them? Do we bring heaven into the context? Maybe someone needs healing. Maybe someone needs breakthrough. Do we bring that with us? God is calling us to be a people that carry something. And uh, this message really at the core of it is about extending an invitation to all of you to start to draw near to start to put your shoulder to the plow one by one. Because as I said at the beginning, the prophetic word that we received would be that every single member would be mobilized into the preaching of the gospel, bringing of the kingdom of God. That means everyone carrying some sense of responsibility for God's plan to be made real in everybody's life. That means some changes. How are we going to build up a story of carrying something? Example, Bible reading. Some of you read your Bible devotionally. Great. It's really good to start out reading devotionally. I encourage you to pray and read your Bible every single day, even if it's a few verses. But there will come a point in time where you need to layer onto the devotional reading of the Bible, exploration of the Bible, trying to understand what it means, trying to understand how you answer the problem of evil. If there's a God in heaven, why is there so much suffering? There are answers to those questions. We need to add to our devotional reading knowledge. And we need to keep alongside our knowledge reading, devotion. And we need to come to the place where through devotion and then devotion plus knowledge, we come to the place where we love the Word of God and we love God, knowing God through His Word. That's just one example. There is progression that's required. But then as we learn how to uh, learn that we are not empty-handed, that we're starting with God, you'll start to see things happen. These disciples, they released what God had put on them into the environment around them. It says in Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It sounds simple when you think about it on a surface level of what these people accomplished, but if you drill down to a person-by-person experience, every single person that got healed, that got delivered, that got set free, their life was literally transformed. I don't know if the things that you're facing right now where you need to see deliverance or freedom or healing from that particular area, what would it look like if not only you experienced that, but then us as the entire church rose up and brought that message to people who need it right across this city? power of God is not for us to carry and store up as though we're some sort of battery, but to release it and see it experienced through the testimonies that we come back to glorify God with. As mentioned before, the Bible school students, the photos that they're sending through of people in tears as they come into contact with the living God is incredible and humbling. And God is calling all of us to build a history with him as we learn to carry who he is calling us to be. So who are you? What do you carry? What are you to bring? Bring who you are to the equation. Some of you are incredibly creative and and passionate about things. Some of you are incredibly logical. Some of you have great skills at making money in businesses. Some of you are very good at relationships. Bring those skills to benefit the body of Christ. I want to ask you something else. Are you carrying a love for London? I've had to ask myself this question, and I do keep asking myself this question. Because a lot of us are here out of necessity, not out of hope. What I mean by that is this, is that do we genuinely hope that London will be saved? Do we genuinely hope that the gospel will be preached to the entire city? Do we want to live as part of that? Or do we want to come to London to make the money to send back home so that we can eventually leave? We recognize in Kensington Temple that a lot of people are just passing through. You're coming to study, you're coming for a season of work, but we want to encourage you while you are here to start to carry, to start to take on uh, experiences with God that will literally, as you go home, change the lives of those around you. We know that you're not here forever, but we want you to leave carrying something with you when you go and carrying it well into the purposes of God for your life. Final point before I just share a time of prayer. We saw how the 12 first were sent out, then the 72 were sent out. The 72 came back with a report of what God was doing. And then Jesus comes back to this same teaching again, just before he gets arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's chatting with his disciples and he says this, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. Just before Jesus gets betrayed, he says this. What did you learn about what you carry when I told you to take nothing? They realized we had all we needed. We had the gospel of Jesus Christ in us. Okay, now you've got that core message. 
You'll need this other stuff as you go. We need to get our priorities straight about what we carry in terms of the gospel and power. But I love this about this final report, this final idea, is that this happened just before they all betrayed Jesus, just before they all ran away, just before they all lost heart for the mission. And I want to say this to you. We know that those disciples regrouped and carried the vision of glory and glory of God into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You might today be in a situation where you feel like you have let Jesus down. But let me say this to you, that there are revelations and things that Jesus has taught you, lessons that you have learned as you have put things aside and taken Christ first that perhaps right now you've lost sight of that perhaps these disciples were about to lose sight of, and that's why Jesus reminded them, this lesson that I gave you, this revelation that you caught, what about you? The lessons and revelation that God has put in your life, they are in your bones. They are part of your very being. And as we start to call the church to rise from all of the different aspects of where you are right now to this call of God on our lives, recognize that you've got a lesson to release. Maybe you've gone through the deepest depression you thought possible. You've got a lesson to release to those about to go through depression themselves. Maybe you're struggling with a relationship breakdown and you said, I'm a Christian. I didn't think I was supposed to ever get divorced. You've got a lesson for someone who's about to face a challenge in their own relationship. Maybe you might say, I didn't think that I could be used after the sickness that I went through or the sin that I walked through in my life. But God has put a lesson in your life. What are you carrying? What can you bring to glorify God through your life? Jesus is calling each one of us to lay aside some things so that we can embrace who he is calling us to be on the mission field. And I want to encourage you, don't wait. Some of you might say, I don't want to be a missionary in China, so I'm not going to stop doing any ministry today. Don't wait. God probably won't send you to China. He might send you to Australia. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But don't wait. God has a plan for your life. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you. Lord, we ask that you'd help us practically reach a place of repentance in our lives where we say, God, I want to leave aside these distractions so that I can focus on your plan for my life. The staff, the bag, the money clip. Father, bring me to the place where I genuinely leave those things aside and don't keep taking them up again but leave them aside until you have taught me the lessons I need to learn about seeking first the kingdom of God, about living for you and for your glory in my life, about living in a way where I carry the mission uh, as my first priority. Lord, equip me to be a person that can leave aside that which is not important in order to take up that which is important. And Father, I pray for this church, that we would grow in our corporate history, Lord, that we would be a church, a body of people that start to put Christ first in radical ways, that start to preach the gospel in radical ways, that as you've promised us this revival, that we would be agents of revival, that we would partner with the things of God, 
and that we find that we carry such a deep revelation in our lives that can make a radical difference in this world for you. In Jesus' name.